from Bishop John. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Good morning. It's so good to be with you all, whether it's here at uh, the Christina home or, or online. I so wish we could have been all together uh, in worshiping, but the weather hasn't made that possible. But I'm so thankful for this church family, uh, and especially for the ministry of your, of your pastor, Johnny. Johnny, I praise God for your heart uh, for the Lord and for the proclamation of his gospel. You just have such an infectious joy uh, in sharing our Lord Jesus Christ with those who, who don't yet know him. And I'm just especially thankful for your persevering leadership through all of the tremendous challenges of, of the past year. Your wise and, and thoughtful leadership have meant so much to me and to, I know, to this congregation. Uh, you're doing a wonderful job. My thanks also to, uh, to Corky and Rod and Larry and Sabrina and Jorge and Joe, all of you on the uh, CCV team who, who give so much in service of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the church council, thank you all for your uh, faithful, wise, and prayerful leadership of this congregation and look forward to having time together with you all uh, this afternoon. Well, this morning, I want to explore, explore with you one person's story. It's a story that begins in secrecy and ends in boldness. It begins in fear and ends in joy. It begins in darkness and ends in the light. It's the story of Nicodemus. 
Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a scholar of the scriptures, pious, devoted to God's law. He was a leader, a member of the Sanhedrin, the powerful council of 70 that ruled the Jewish people. Nicodemus had prestige and influence. He was respected by his peers. Nicodemus's story is told in John's gospel. It's a drama in three scenes. Scene one. In our gospel reading this morning, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, secretively, furtively. He wanted to meet Jesus, but he wanted no one else to know about it. He wanted to learn from Jesus, but he was afraid of what might happen to his position if the others on the Sanhedrin knew that he'd gone to Jesus. Jesus was too controversial, too unpopular for Nicodemus to be seen with him. So he went by night. Something about Jesus attracts Nicodemus, but he is by no means convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. He said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus was ready to acknowledge Jesus as a great teacher, and he was open to having Jesus explain complex spiritual truths to him. But what Nicodemus really needed was not new information, but a new birth. He needed to believe in Jesus as God's only son, to trust his life to Jesus totally, so that he would not perish but have eternal life, so that he would be born from above, born again, spiritually reborn into God's kingdom. You see, when God created man and woman and put them in the Garden of Eden, he said to them, you may eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. Adam and Eve rejected God and ate the forbidden fruit, but they lived for years and years. Was God wrong when he said that on the day that you eat of it, you will die? Not at all. Because while they would ultimately die physically, when they sinned, they instantly died spiritually. In their spirit, where they experienced communion with God's Holy Spirit, they died. And to enter God's kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom, they'd have to come alive spiritually. Their spirits would have to be reborn. And so here Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying that Nicodemus needs to be cleansed by water and given new life by the Holy Spirit. Now, Nicodemus was someone who knew the scriptures, and he would have known from the prophet Ezekiel that it is by cleansing with water uh, and cleansing from new life in the spirit that we come into a living relationship with God. In Ezekiel chapter 36, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. 
But Nicodemus wasn't ready for that. Nicodemus was afraid to acknowledge his need for that cleansing, that new life in the spirit. He was afraid to make a commitment, afraid to take a stand, afraid to surrender his life to Jesus, afraid to ask to be born again. Perhaps you can identify with that reluctance, that hesitancy. Perhaps along the way, you too have wanted more of God, but at the same time, you felt awkward about it. Maybe you'd feel embarrassed if your friends knew you were checking out Jesus, or maybe you'd even been a little bit fearful about it. Well, Nicodemus has much to show us. Scene two, John chapter seven. More than a year has passed. Some of the people have been hailing Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, so the chief priests and the Pharisees send temple guards to arrest Jesus. But Jesus' words about himself so astonish the guards that they come back without him. But John's gospel uh, indicates that the guards weren't out on this mission for just an hour or so. They stayed listening to Jesus for three days. Jesus was so extraordinary, his teaching so penetrating, that they couldn't pull themselves away. And so when the guards finally returned, the Pharisees demanded to know what happened. Why didn't you arrest him? And the guards answered, no one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees sneer at them and say condescendingly, you mean he has deceived you also? And then the Pharisees try what was for them the ultimate proof positive. They say, have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? And that question must have gone through Nicodemus like a knife. Have any of the Pharisees believed in him? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He must have asked, of him, asked himself, yes, have any? Have I come to believe in him? Do I dare make a commitment to him? No, it will cost too much. It will cost my position, my friends, my career, my pride. I can't. And so Nicodemus merely asks the other Pharisees a question, trying to hide his own interest in Jesus. He asks, does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? And for merely asking that question, Nicodemus is scathingly attacked. The other Pharisees reply, are you from Galilee too? Look into it, you'll find that no prophet is to come from Galilee. Well, the Pharisees were wrong because the prophet Jonah and perhaps others came from Galilee, but they weren't interested in facts. They were interested in intimidation and they were successful. Nicodemus falls silent. He's afraid to be known as a believer in Jesus. And we read a few chapters later that even when some of the authorities did come to believe in Jesus, they didn't confess it because of the Pharisees for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue because the Bible says they love praise from other people more than approval from God. Scene three, two years later, the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. When Jesus was brought before the Sanhedrin for trial, only one of the rulers voted against condemning him to death. And that one was not Nicodemus, but Joseph, from the town of Arimathea. Only Joseph took a stand for Jesus. 
Nicodemus was still hesitant, still unwilling to commit to Jesus to ask for the new birth into life in the Spirit of God. When Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday afternoon, Joseph of Arimathea went to Pontius Pilate and asked the governor for permission to take Jesus' body away and bury it. Jesus' disciples had run away. Only Joseph was willing to risk all to be known as one who loved Jesus. It was a great act of courage because there was a very real possibility that anyone known as Jesus' follower could be executed as well, put to death as just another rebel against the Roman Empire. But Joseph had another problem. Taking the body to the tomb and preparing it for burial was too much for one person. The body was too heavy to handle alone. And so Joseph went to Nicodemus, whom he had observed in the meetings of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus, who wavered, who seemed drawn to Jesus, but unwilling to side with him. Joseph went to Nicodemus and asked for his help. For Nicodemus, to help in the burial was the most costly decision possible. For years, he had played it both ways. He was privately drawn to Jesus, but publicly he said nothing. Now he would have to choose because he could not secretly help Joseph to bury Jesus. Here's why. The Passover was just a few hours away. And if Nicodemus touched a dead body, he would be ceremonially unclean. The law made it clear that anyone touching a dead body was ceremonially unclean and not allowed to celebrate the Passover. You see, it had happened before, at one of the first Passovers after the people of Israel escaped from Egypt. In Numbers chapter 9, we read that some of the Israelites were ceremonially unclean because they touched a dead body just before the Passover. And so they went to Moses. What should they do? The law required them to observe the festival, but the law also prohibited them from doing so because they would not have completed the required seven days of purification. So Moses sought God's direction, and God commanded that those who were unclean because they recently touched a dead body should not celebrate the Passover at the appointed time, but wait exactly one month and then keep the festival. But if anyone failed to observe the Passover, they were to be banished from their people. Well, Nicodemus knew the law. How could he, a Pharisee, not celebrate the Passover? As one who scrupulously kept God's law, he knew that he must. But to touch the dead body of Jesus would mean that he would have to keep the Passover a month later, and then everyone would know. Everyone would know that he had chosen to desecrate the Passover in order to express his devotion to Jesus. Everyone would know. We can only wonder what went through Nicodemus's mind and heart as he struggled with the decision. He had hedged and equivocated for years. Now he has to decide to reach out to Jesus who had died and yet who offered him life or to cling to his position and reputation. At the cross, Nicodemus decided. He reached out his hand and touched the body of Jesus.
And in that moment, I believe that he was born again. He chose Jesus. He put his trust in Jesus. He committed his life to Jesus and he received the new birth, the gift of eternal life. To be a Christian is to reach out and if you will, take hold of Jesus, to make a complete surrender to Jesus, to receive his mercy and forgiveness. And then out of thankfulness, to be willing to do whatever he asks at whatever cost. I thank God for those who take hold of Jesus and who live in costly faithfulness in their family, in their marriage or as they care for a parent or a child or a spouse. I thank God for those who take hold of Jesus and are serving him with integrity on the job, working for their boss as for the Lord himself. I thank God for those students who take hold of Jesus and are willing to speak out for him at school, risking the put downs. Those who are committed to serving him in the classroom and online, in the locker room and on the bus. I thank God for those who are willing to take hold of Jesus and tell others about him, who are willing to rise above the desire to please everyone and who are concerned to please the Lord. I thank God for those who take hold of Jesus and let him have their checkbooks, those who make a commitment to Jesus that affects real life issues, like how we use our money, those who've reoriented their lifestyle to put tithing giving at least 10% of their income back to God at the very top of their spending priorities. I thank God for those who take hold of Jesus and following, follow him into a ministry that is personally challenging and demanding, ministry that takes us out of our comfort zone to serve others in need in our community. I thank God for those who take hold of Jesus and who reach out across racial and cultural barriers to build relationships and to work for justice and reconciliation. I thank God for those who take hold of Jesus and stand firm for the truth of his word in the face of the pressure that is growing on Christians to compromise our convictions. I thank God for all those who take hold of Jesus and are willing to pay the price. But here's the question for the morning. How is Jesus asking you to follow him at this point in your life? What is he asking of you? What's the cost? Are you willing to take hold of him and follow him? There may be some who've not yet taken hold of Jesus, who've not yet committed themselves to him, surrendered to him, made him the Lord of their lives. Have you done that? Have you received Jesus? Have you ever said to him something like this? Jesus, I give up trying to do it myself, trying to make it on my own, trying to make up for my past, trying to solve my own problems, trying to be good enough to earn my way to you. Jesus, I want to know you personally. And if I don't really belong to you, I ask you to take me as your own today. I ask you to forgive me and give me the gift of eternal life. I put my trust in you. I want to follow you and serve you and obey you no matter what. If you've 
prayed that prayer in your heart and mean it, or if you pray it tonight in your bedroom or sometime in the future, would you reach out to Johnny or a member of the CCV team and let them know that you've done that so that they can encourage you and guide you in living out your commitment? There are others of us whom Jesus is calling to take hold of him afresh, to say yes to his call to a more complete surrender, a more radical commitment, a more costly obedience. Let's say yes to his call and let's pray for God's grace and power so that we would follow him faithfully. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, Send your Holy Spirit upon us to renew us and refresh us. Fill us with love for you and for those around us. Give us such passion for you that we may never be ashamed of you, our Savior. And may everything we do be for your glory alone. And we pray this in your most holy name. Amen.